Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us as we ponder your word even now so that we may know how to respond to the wicked in this world. Oh, Lord, we live in an exceedingly wicked generation and we see wickedness within our own hearts as well. And we know that the solution is to ponder your word, to think of you and the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that you would help us by your spirit's power this morning as we look at your word to be able to know how to respond to wickedness wherever we find it in this world. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, we've been working our way through John's gospel together, and we've been looking particularly at these last moments that the Lord Jesus shares with his disciples before he's about to go to the cross to be crucified. Uh, we have seen that uh, he has spoken, uh, he's washed his disciples' feet. He's having this last supper with the disciples. He washed his disciples' feet in John chapter 13. Uh, then Judas goes out to go and uh, lead the religious leaders and the soldiers to come and arrest Jesus. And then we've seen that he has told the disciples quite clearly that he is going away. And they are distressed about this. Uh, they are distressed that the Lord Jesus is going in. But he's got these last words for him, for these disciples, before he leaves. And that's what the next few chapters will be. And we've already been looking at those. We've been looking at uh, the command that he gave them in verse 34. A new command, I give you, love one another. But there's this distress that the disciples are experiencing. And so last time that I preached, we looked at one of the encouragements that he gives to the disciples. And that was there in the early verses of John chapter 14. John chapter 14 verse 1 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. They're distressed that Jesus is going away. He tells them to trust in God, trust also in me. And then we looked at verses 2 and 3 and how he speaks about this heavenly home that is being prepared for the disciples. In verse 2, he says, In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And so we looked at the wonderful truth that is there in Scripture, that the Lord Jesus has gone to prepare a place for us in his father's house, that heavenly home. And he has told them that he, they know the way to that heavenly home. In verse 4, he says, You know the way to the place where I am going. And this is that moment where the disciples are hearing the Lord Jesus speak. And I'm sure many of them were thinking, hang on, he says we know the way, but do we know where he is going? And one of them is brave enough, brave enough to ask the question that everybody else is thinking, and that is Thomas. And Thomas says in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Thomas is keen, probably, to get going to this wonderful place uh, that the Lord Jesus is describing. Because if you look earlier, back in John chapter 11, verse 16, which we would have studied many, many weeks ago, uh, Thomas is the one who, when Jesus is resolute that he is headed for Jerusalem, what does Thomas say? Thomas says, let us also go that we may die with him. He has resigned himself to the fact that Jesus is going to Jerusalem, and the disciples then have to go to Jerusalem. And what does that then mean? Mean? Well, they're going to have to die because the religious leaders are trying to kill Jesus at Jerusalem. And so now that Jesus is saying, oh, I'm actually going to another place, Thomas is like, oh, good, maybe we won't die after all. Maybe we can get off the hook here in Jerusalem and start going. But the problem is we don't know where it is, so how can we know the way to which Jesus is going? And you may be asking the same question this morning. Jesus has spoken about this heavenly home. And you ask yourself, well, how do I know where that is? 
And how then do I know the way to that heavenly home? And what is Christ's response to Thomas when he asks, what is the way that we are to take to get to that heavenly place? Well, verse 6, one of the greatest texts in all of Scripture. Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says this wonderful truth to his disciples. And there's many things that we could notice about this verse. It's a wonderful verse, but one of the things that I think is primary for us to understand is that Jesus says, I am the way. The definite article is there, the way. He's not a way to heaven. He is the way. There is no other way. And it's reiterated in the second sentence of the verse. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other way to heaven. There is no other way to the heavenly Father's home. There is no other way into the Father's presence, which contrasts with the usual situations that we face. Wherever we go in this world, there are plenty of ways to approach somewhere, generally speaking. If we just think of the Sydney CBD and you want to go in to the city, there's multiple options that are available to you. You can go over the Harbour Bridge, you can go through the, uh, the tunnel, uh, the, the Harbour Tunnel. You can go down Victoria Road if you're coming from Des Moines. You can go along Parramatta Road if you're coming from another part of Western Sydney. You can come in via train, go on the city circle and get off where you like in the city CBD. You can tax ferries even from Des Moines here. You can get off at Circular Quay and you can uh, cross over the water there by boat to get to the Sydney CBD. And there's many options there for But getting to heaven isn't like going to Sydney. Getting to heaven isn't like going into the city CBD. If I said the way to get to Sydney is across the Anzac Bridge, you would think, oh, that's your preferred way. When you say it's the way, Joel says the way to get to Sydney is across the Anzac Bridge, you would think, oh, that's the way he likes. Or you'd think I was an idiot, I was a fool, Because, of course, there's other options that you could take. Or you may think, what on earth has happened? So that the only way into the city is via that one bridge. What has happened to the Harbour Bridge? Isn't that meant to stay up for centuries now? What has happened to the tunnel under the harbour? What has happened to the other entrances or the other roads? Why can't you get off at Circular Quay anymore? What has happened? And that is what we've got to think When we think of heaven, what has happened that all ways to heaven are closed? There is only one way. What has happened that there is no other way to heaven except through the Lord Jesus Christ? What has happened? Well, it's sin. Sin. Man's transgression against God's law has cut us completely off from the Heavenly Father. A veil, the Bible likes to describe this cutting off from God, is a veil. A veil has fallen over heaven, over God himself, and all ways to him are cut off. Now, you may think a veil, you think like a a bride's veil, something very see-through, something very light, you lift it up just before you kiss the bride, or are kissed if you're a woman, uh, and you think, oh, it doesn't sound like a very big deal, a veil. Surely you can just get through the veil in some way. 
But no, you should think of more of a, a really heavy curtain, a thick, heavy curtain. Think of a massive curtain that is so big that you're like this little ant coming up against the curtain and you can barely budge a thread of it. That is the veil that has fallen around heaven. This thick, heavy curtain, because of our sin, has cut us off from heaven and from God. And that should be the end of the story because of our serious, the seriousness of our sin. If God lets sinners into heaven, lets sinners into heaven, then it brings into question his justice. He is a holy God. His justice is at risk if he lets unholy people into his presence. But God in his wisdom In his wonderful wisdom, you can't think this stuff up. In his wonderful wisdom, he found a way. He knew a way. He made one way that satisfies both his divine justice and also shows mercy so that sinners can actually come into his presence without violating his justice. And what is the way through that thick, heavy curtain that has fallen over heaven? Well, it's by the Lord Jesus, as we read in this verse, where Jesus answered, I am the way. How is that possible? How is Jesus the way into heaven? Well, it's because God sent him. He took on flesh. The, the God the Son came into this world, took on flesh, and the Lord put on him the iniquity of all his people. All their sins were put upon him, and then the Lord struck him struck him with the full vent of his wrath against the sins of his people. And so justice is met as the Lord Jesus becomes our sin bearer. But mercy is then extended by the Lord's will to those who trust in him. And this is what is taught to us in Hebrews chapter 10. Turn with me now to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, which is found on page 1191, if you have a church Bible. Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 19, page 1,191. Hebrews chapter 10, reading from verse 19, where the author says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, a new and living way, open for us through what? Through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God, to God the Father himself with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. A way has been opened through that thick and heavy curtain, and it's by the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ who died the death that we deserve. And so the words of Isaiah uh, in chapter 11, that passage that we had read for us earlier, where the Lord prophesied through Isaiah that there will be a highway for the remnant of his people. That highway has come. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ. And it goes very high indeed. It goes all the way to heaven itself. And so, John chapter 14, verse 6, the Lord Jesus is teaching that there is no other option. 
There is no other option to get to that heavenly home, to get to God the Father himself, except through him. Now, this is hard for us to hear. Why is it hard for us to hear, particularly as Westerners? Why is it hard for us to hear that there is no other option besides the Lord Jesus to go to heaven? Well, it's because Westerners love options. We love our freedom to choose, and we have the luxury to be able to choose in so many things. I like chocolate milk. You may like strawberry milkshakes. I like a black jacket. You might like a green one. My mother bought a green jacket for a trip overseas, a a nice warm one. We're going to go to Scotland next year. And so she wanted to rug up, and she's got this bright green jacket. And she just looked at it and went, oh, it's so lovely and green. I looked at it and went, oh, okay, Um, if you think so. We as Westerners, we have the options available to us. We have that luxury. But Jesus is not like one choice among others. And we should be too desperate to care. The starving man doesn't care whether the milkshake is strawberry or chocolate. He just wants to drink it down. The man who is freezing doesn't care whether the jacket is black, green or pink. He will put it on because he is freezing. And we, because of our sins, we are in a desperate situation. We are facing eternal torment in hell. We are desperate. And so if there is one way, who cares? Let's go for it. I want that one way. If it means the difference between death and hell and life and heaven. Give me that one way, no matter what it is. But the wonderful truth is the more you get to know the Lord Jesus, the more you really appreciate that that one way is the most marvellous of ways. And you would take the Lord Jesus over a Muhammad, over a Buddha, over a Krishna, over a Joseph Smith any day of the week. Even if they were ways to heaven, the Lord Jesus is far better than any of those other proposed ways that have come through history. And they are false ways. But as you look at those people, you see that the Lord Jesus is in a whole other class in comparison to them, and you love getting to know him and enjoying fellowship with him as you walk in his way. But you may be asking the question this morning, how do you know that Jesus is the way? How do you know he is the way? That the other ways are false. And the fact that we ask shows that we are liars and we live among liars And we are faced with lies all the time. If we didn't know about lies and deceit, we wouldn't ask the question. But instead we show that we live amongst people of deceitful lips and we have deceitful lips ourselves. We know that politicians lie. We know that the military will lie and cover up war crimes. We know that the police will lie. We know religious leaders lie. We know that parents lie. We know that other family members lie. We know that friends lie. We know that even our bodily senses will lie to us and tell us that something is cold when it's actually hot. We know that our minds will lie to us as well. We can think that our whole house is crawling with spiders, and it's not. I heard of someone who had a friend like this, and he met a, a pest inspector coming out of the place, and he said, are you friends with this person? Because 
I've gone through this house on multiple occasions. There is nothing moving inside this house except humans. But she is convinced that it's crawling with pests, with, with cockroaches and spiders. There was something wrong with her mind. That she thought that something was there when it wasn't. Her mind was lying to her. She was no longer able to trust her senses. She was no longer able to trust her mind. And so you may be asking the question, how can we know that Jesus is the only way when we live in a cesspool of lies and liars? How can we know? Well, the verse tells us. Jesus tells us. Verse 6, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth. I'm not a liar. I tell the truth. In fact, I am truth itself incarnate. I am the one who always speaks the truth. He never, ever lies. That is what he is saying here. But you say, okay, but how do I know that he's not lying in saying that he is the truth? Well, I think the verse tells us as well. What's the very next thing that Jesus tells us? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And the life. See, the thing is, because of our sins, we are spiritually dead until the Lord Jesus grants us life. And so when we hear the evidences for Christianity, when we hear Jesus himself speak, we are dead and we cannot understand what he is saying and we cannot trust that it is indeed true until something happens, until Jesus does what he speaks about with that third thing that he says he is, that he gives life by the power of his spirit until the Holy Spirit is granted to us and courses through our veins. All the evidences, all the truths that are proclaimed in Scripture seem like foolishness or deceitfulness of men that are trying to get in and control us in some way. It all seems utter foolishness until the Lord sends his spirit. Now, I'm not saying that there is no evidence for Christianity and it's not a reasonable religion. No. But the thing is, before the life comes to you through Jesus, you will ignore the evidences. You will overlook them. It's only once you have the Holy Spirit that you look back and go, oh, look at the wealth of information that proves indeed that Jesus is speaking the truth. And so it is. That Christ's people, they just know that Jesus is speaking the truth. When he says he is the way, they just know it is because he has granted them life by the power of his spirit to believe that it is indeed the truth. And so they cling to him like no other. Why? Because of the spirit working in them to understand that this is truth. And then, then the, when Jesus says that he is the way, that he is indeed the way. So do you... You people here in this room, you individually, do you know that other ways to heaven are null and void? The Eightfold Path of Buddhism, the Five Pillars of Islam, the 613 Commandments of Judaism, the Atheism of Materialism, they will all crash you straight into that curtain and give you no access to heaven and to God himself. Do you know that? That there is no other way? And is Jesus your way? Are you going to the Father? Because you know that he speaks the truth in this verse when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Is Jesus your way? 
I'm here this morning to warn you that if you're going any other way, you're on a path that leads to death. A couple of months ago, uh, while I was in the church building, the electricity went off. There was this loud bang, and we... So a few of us that were around, we went out onto the street to see what had happened, because, of course, I can't do anything once my laptop dies. Um, and so we go outside, and, yes, power lines have come down. A tree has blown over, taking down the power lines, and a fire has started on, on the tree that is uh, taking down the power lines, and there's power lines hanging low across the road just out the front of the church here. So a few of us went to try and block traffic on different roads, and I was given the responsibility of standing on the road just here and blocking any traffic that comes down towards the power lines there. And so I'm telling cars to go back, and generally speaking, this is okay. Most cars just went, okay, reverse back. And I said, there's power lines down. I was just telling them to turn around. This Mercedes driver comes barreling down. I'm there in the road. And I stop, stop, stop. He leans out of his window and says, get out of the something or other road to me. And I, <laughs> I, I looked at him and I said, power lines, power lines. And he stopped eventually. And then he did a three-point turn. And, uh, and I said, I'm just trying to help because he had to do it right in front of me because he'd come all the way down. And, uh, and he said, fair enough. And then powered off in the other direction. And a cyclist came along the footpath there, and I said, there's power lines down, hanging down over the road there. And he looked at me and said, so what does that mean? I said, you shouldn't go down there. He said, what's stopping me? I said, well, only me. Um, he said, okay. And so he kept riding, and he rode under them, even though they're hanging down there, could come down even further. At any moment, uh, he just kept on going down. Now, you may be here this morning as I'm telling you that there's only one way to heaven and the way that you're on if you're not trusting in Jesus Christ is a way to death and you're sitting here and you may be calling me names in your heart and saying, you idiot, if you think that there's only one way to heaven. But the proverb is right. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. Proverbs 14, verse 12 in the Old Testament. There is a way that seems right to a man, but in the end it leads to death. You calling me names isn't going to make your way any more right and get you into heaven. You need to repent of your sins. You need to repent of following false paths and unite with Christ by trusting in him and asking for life. You will never accept Jesus as telling the truth. You will never accept Jesus as the way unless the Lord grants you life by the Holy Spirit, unless he resurrects you from your deadness in sins and trespasses and brings you to life so that you accept the Lord Jesus Christ. Do it now if you've never done it before. But if you are a Christian, do you find comfort in this verse? Remember, the Lord Jesus opens the chapter with the words, do not let your hearts be troubled. And the subsequent discussion is to calm the hearts of his disciples. Jesus is no longer with us. I said that when we were first looking at these verses together. He's no longer with us. There's many reasons to be troubled in this world. It'd be lovely to have Jesus with us this morning, and we would have a great sense of peace as a result. But we don't. And so he's given us a number of words to encourage us so that our hearts are not troubled, including this verse this morning. If you're sitting here, and hearing one of the greatest verses given by the Lord to man, and your heart isn't comforted, then there is something wrong with your heart. If you don't find comfort in this verse, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, there is something wrong with your heart. What is that? 
Well, the Spirit isn't in it. The Spirit loves to hear the gospel proclaimed, loves to be reminded. And it should be our great joy to know that we're on the way, that we're not trusting in a lie, that we have life now and for eternity. Many people don't know if there is an eternal life. They don't know if there is a heaven or a hell. They don't know. Many people don't even know what truth is. Pilate, the great postmodern, asked Jesus, what is truth? And so many people today are living in that bubble where everything is relative. And we don't know what truth is. What is true for me may not be true for you. And what is true for you may not be true for me. They don't know what a truth is. But we do as Christians. We know what the truth is. It's Jesus. And so it should be a great comfort to us to know that we shouldn't, should, should we be a Muslim? Or should I be a Hindu? Or should I be a Buddhist? Or should I just be living my life eating and drinking and being married because tomorrow I'm going to potentially die and just be worm food and so I should live it up now? We don't have to ask that question because we know that Jesus is the way. We know that Jesus is the truth and we know that Jesus is the life. We're one of the blessed ones to whom God in his mercy and grace has given us life so that we can understand the words of Jesus here. And so that should always be a comfort and a joy to us in whatever troubles we may be experiencing in our hearts. And the other thing that I want us to consider this morning, if we are Christians, I want to ask us, do we find comfort in this verse? The second thing I want to ask is, are we telling others about Christ? Because we know no one gets to the Father except by him. I fear that sometimes we are tempted to live as though everyone is going to heaven and not hell. As though all the people that are around us, they're actually off to heaven. And the way that we live demonstrates that. The person who doesn't believe that Jesus is the way to heaven doesn't tell people about Jesus. Doesn't even have family worship in the home to share the gospel with their children doesn't support a minister to preach the gospel. In fact, sees ministers who keep on talking about Jesus and how you can be saved through Jesus as a waste of money. Is more interested in church business meetings and programs than gospel services. Churches can get so waylaid by all other things that they can be doing. But they don't want to hear the good news of Jesus Christ being proclaimed because, of course, everyone gets to heaven anyway. So let's just help people here with their physical problems and not worry about their spiritual problems because we're all going there anyway. The person who doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way, doesn't like gospel proclamations at church services, wants something new and exciting, tell me something I don't know each Sunday, rather than remind me of the old, old story of Jesus and his love. The person who doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way wants the church to stay small, not grow too much. I want to just have time with my friends on Sundays and not get distracted by all these other people that may be becoming Christians. The person who doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way doesn't come to prayer meetings, in fact, doesn't pray much at all, because why would you bother praying for people when everyone goes to heaven anyway? There's no need for prayer. The person who doesn't believe that Jesus is the only way doesn't support missionaries, particularly those who are sent primarily for evangelistic purposes, happy to send missionaries to take care of hunger, take care of Medical problems overseas, we don't send ones that will just share the good news, ones that will plant churches or support local churches as they proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, because let's face it, everybody goes to heaven anyway, and doesn't encourage young people to consider full-time ministry. 
doesn't see an important part of the local church is raising up young men to go as missionaries and to be pastors of churches in this world because let's face it everybody becomes a christian everybody's going to heaven anyway there's so many paths to to heaven that we don't need to focus on just one way and getting as many people to proclaim it as possible but i'm so thankful that this doesn't describe many of you i see evidence in the members of Moines baptist church that you truly believe that Jesus is the way, that he is the only way to the Father. But in saying that, there's always room for improvement, and that includes myself. What's the key to improving? Well, it's meditating upon this verse. Meditating upon this verse. Memorising this verse. It's a very easy memory verse, generally speaking, because you've probably heard it quite a number of times. It's fairly short, succinct. It's the gospel there. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We should meditate upon this more often because in some respects it's a terrible truth for us to hear. It's good news to us, but it's terrible to consider all the people around you who are not on the way. And sometimes we just don't like to think about it. We don't like to think that people that we love, that are around us all the time, are not going to be around us all the time because one day we'll be separated from them. We'll be in heaven. They will be in hell. We need to meditate upon this more. It will invigorate us so that we proclaim this message. We support people who are proclaiming the message and we ourselves proclaim the message so that others are on the way. Others know that Jesus is the truth and others know that Jesus is the life. Let's not worry about people who call us names for warning them that the way they're on leads to death. If one person experiences eternal life because of the gospel proclamation that we make, then isn't it worth all the name-calling that people may give us, like that Mercedes driver did to me a couple months ago? Isn't it worth it, even if I save him from driving into power lines. Isn't it worth it for the names that he called me? And it's interesting, he did turn around. So many of them did turn around. And that happens. As we proclaim to people that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me, the Holy Spirit often does work in people's hearts, even the hardest of hearts, and they turn and they trust in Christ. So shouldn't we be doing more of it? Shouldn't we be proclaiming the gospel so that they have that eternal life that we enjoy already? Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him now. Lord Jesus, we praise you as the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, Lord, we pray that everyone in this room would believe in you as the way and so have that eternal life that only you grant. And Lord, we pray that you would help us in this room, those of us who are believers, those who are of us who are on the way, who know the truth, who have the life. Oh Lord, we pray that we would meditate upon this fact that you are the only way. And so Lord, we pray that as we meditate upon this truth, that you would increase our witnessing efforts. Give us a sense of urgency to tell others that the way they're on, if they're apart from Christ, leads to death despite the persecution that may result. 
And Lord, we pray that as we do so, more and more people may be granted the life by you and the power of your spirit. And we pray these things in your name. Amen.